It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation Radio Show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM, KXNO. And welcome to the Hawkeye Nation Radio Show here on KXNO, 1460 AM, 106.3 FM. My name is Andrew Downs, uh, taking you through this next hour of Hawkeye Talk. And I'm not alone. I'm joined by my good friend, and yours as well. It's Trent Condon. What's up, Trent? Yo, what's happening? I'm ready to talk some Hawks. Get ready for the Rams coming to town. Yeah, big, big spot this week, right? <laughs> big, big spot. Uh, thank you for uh, for filling in for me. Well, not filling in for me for you know carrying the water. Thank you. Last week yeah. when I was uh, when I was gone, uh, you guys did a great job. You and Joe and Chuck Long and and the rest of the crew. It was a fun day and uh, always good to catch up with Chuck Long. Always such great insight to the quarterback position and. Another weekend, more questions about the quarterback position, even in a day where the overall numbers, they look pretty good. I still got some questions. We'll get into that a little later. Yeah, well, I thought, yeah, so I, I came in thinking like, hey, Trent, we got the number five team, mm-hmm. 3-0, and feeling good. You're a believer now. You're on board, right? You're fully on board. Not exactly. Not exactly with Spencer Petras. And it's interesting, the rumblings that were coming out of Kinnick Stadium when there would be a bad throw. I know I'm not alone on this. Yeah. And more than anything, this is elite level defense. This is one of the best defenses in the country. The special teams are an elite level. The offense ran the football finally well against Kent State over the weekend, but there's still that concern at quarterback. And I understand there's a lot of people that can point to, hey, the wide receivers aren't getting separation. And I agree with that. I think there is a concern there. When you're trotting out your top three receivers, all guys that are 5'11", six foot. You don't have a big receiver out there. You don't have a speedster that's going to break down the defense. When that's kind of your complement of wide receivers, even as good as Laporte is, even as good as I think Lachey is going to be, that still sits there and you can knock that. But they're just those throws that Petra still leaves out there. There's still those times when the pocket's not there, when he's not in rhythm, you get concerned about. And just look at the passing tree. Uh, Thad Nelson, who works over at Blackheart Gold Pants, does a really nice job of putting together what the passing chart looks like. So he made the completion late in the game up the sideline to Reganey. Before that, didn't even attempt to pass over 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. Not one against Kent State. This week against Colorado State, you need to see that. You need to see opportunities down the field. Even with that, he made one completion over 15 yards in the air. That's a big-time problem. That's the concern with him, and it's... Funny, I saw somebody retweet an article from him from his high school coach right after he committed. 
and they talked about Spencer Petras as a gunslinger, and he's going to take <laughs> shots and maybe holds the ball a little bit too long at times because he's waiting for something to develop down the field. That's not the quarterback that they're seeing now. And that's not a problem against Kent State. It wasn't a problem against Iowa State or Indiana. But when you look forward at Penn State, the way that they're playing, you look at a road trip to Wisconsin, those games still in front of you. Even Minnesota, who held Colorado to 70 yards of total offense over the weekend in a 30 nothing victory, those are the concerns. He's good enough right now to beat these teams, but there's going to be a time where Spencer Petras is going to have to win a game. I still don't, I'm not sure if he can do that. But now he's won a lot of games. He has. They're what, what, they've won nine in a row? Nine in a row. Now? Mostly against Big Ten competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big road win at a top 10 team in Iowa State. It's because on, so I, I agree with almost everything you say, and my eyes agree with you, right? Mm-hmm. When I watch Spencer Peters play, I'm not wowed right. by his talent, uh, by his decision-making abilities, other than the lack of interceptions and turnovers. He takes care of the ball. Yep, He does what he does what he needs to do to allow his team to put themselves in a position to win. And I agree that at some point he's going to need to win a game for Iowa, and I'm not sure he's able to do that. But man, they've, they're scoring 30 points a game. Right. They're beating everybody. It's it's so I, I'm like caught somewhere in between here where my head agrees with you, but my heart is like, hey, everything everything's good. Like, why yeah. don't rock the boat, right? Don't fix what's not broken. It's not that broken. It's winning. It is winning. And when you ultimately come down to that, it's the only important stat, right? He's nine and zero. Yeah. And <laughs> if it means they beat, which Penn is wild, fourteen thirteen, and they win nine six <laughs> against Wisconsin, yeah, so be it. Because it's another win, you add it up, and you get to Indianapolis. But I just still have those concerns, and I know I'm not alone in no, that. No, you're not. You it's, look at the it's sti- the question. It's yeah. the only question, right? Is, I mean, yeah. and offensive I, I line's getting better. The passing game is is the yeah. only question because you 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 rightfully bring up those wide receivers and um, yeah. Just full disclosure, I didn't watch the game live on Saturday. I've gone back and watched highlights. I've read the articles. I've listened to the podcast. I, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of what happened, although I'm going to have you kind of help me out <laughs> through through tonight uh, in that. I was up in Canada in a, in a remote cabin um, where the, it would have cost like, I, I can't imagine how much it would have cost <laughs> to try to stream that game. Uh, and it was a Kent State game. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, looking at the box score. The receivers got more involved this mm-hmm. game, right? I mean, the the seems like that the passing game, well, not dynamic by any means. You still had a couple hundred yards passing. You still had Tyrone Tracy making five catches, Regani with four catches. Uh, a lot, a lot of it. Other than that, Arlen Bruce had his one catch. A lot of it, other than that, is tight ends and and running backs out of mm-hmm. the backfield. So again, and as you said, no deep deep balls to be to be seen. Um, but yeah, I, I guess. It's time to get nitpicky because of the expectations we now have for this team. And I think that the basement level expectation through three weeks has to be get to Indianapolis, win the Big Ten West. And you're going to need a, you would assume you're going to need a little bit more of a complete offense to to get there. So while they're winning, and if they weren't ranked, you could probably overlook some of this. If you expected Wisconsin to win the Big Ten West, you probably overlook a lot of this. But the expectations have changed in three weeks. And now you have to start kind of looking at, okay, where are the deficits? Where are the places that we could we could be tripped up? And really the the big red mark right now is the quarterback and, and those wide receivers, the passing game as a whole. I still have optimism. And I have optimism because of the second quarter against Iowa State, how good Petrus looked. Arm talent's there. That's not the problem with him. It's not 
a talent deficit. We're not talking about a noodle arm out there. No. He just can't make the throws. That's not the problem. When a pocket's there, he's great. When he gets his first read, he's excellent. But it's the progressions. It's looking through. It's not locking on early on one receiver yes. and going through and making the play. There were a couple of times, and even on TV, where you don't have the all 22 and you can't see the guys that are breaking free. I understand the wide receivers, they haven't been good. You know, being Kinnick Stadium for the game and, and watching, and you can see just a better vantage point than you do on television. You can tell when there are times when guys are breaking free. There hasn't been a ton of that. There's been some. Yeah. But every quarterback's going to miss a read or not see a guy. For sure. Because it's not their first progression, and and those things are going to happen. Offensive line continues to get better. And it really, I don't think anything, it wasn't really Kyler Schott coming back. He didn't play a ton. You could see he was very rusty. But it feels like the development continues to be there. Linderbaum, who I thought got off to at least a little bit of slow start for him, he is coming on in a big-time way, the All-American center. They're figuring out the guard spot, how they're going to rotate that. Ultimately, we still don't know how it's going to shake out. And right. this is now one more week in front of them to start to figure it out. Because starting with that road trip out to Maryland, that's a tricky spot. They're already talking about this game. Listening to Stanford Steven Scott Van Pelt, who live in Washington, D.C. That's where they do Sports Center from. That's where their location is. Obviously, Van Pelt, a Maryland grad. There's already buzz about this top five team coming to town. So with all of that, the anticipation's there. We'll get to their Kent State matchup, which might be tricky for the Terps, but you have that game on the short week on Friday night, followed by Penn State. You just need to see more. I'm hopeful that the offensive line's going to come together even better this week against at least a decent Colorado State defensive side. Offense is a different story with the Rams, but that's more than anything what you want to see. Offensive line continue to gel, find some more of those plays, and I also thought we saw a more diversified offense out of Iowa. Now they kind of, as they like to say, put it in the lockbox Going back to, got the lead against Iowa State, sit on it. Got the lead against Indiana, sit on it. Wasn't the case as much here with Kent State. You saw a little bit more, at least early in the football game. So there's still more layers to this. And that's where at least my optimism lies. I'm, You know, AD, I'm not the most optimistic fan in general, but there is still optimism that this offense can take some major steps still forward. How did Kent State's defense look when 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 I talked to their and you just kind of looking at that game and, and talking to their beat reporter last week? I mean, they led the country in interceptions coming into this game. I don't know if they still do that. Eight through the first two games, four of those against a good Texas A and M team. And so I, I was a little worried because a lot of us kind of after that two and zero start saw these next two weeks as a real chance to kind of work some things out and figure some things out. Doesn't seem like that's fully happened against Kent State. Uh, you have a bad Colorado State team coming in, and we'll get to that game for sure. And, and there's going to be more opportunities to kind of work some of these things out and put our minds at ease. But how how was the the Kent State? I mean, can we put any of this on Kent State has a pretty good secondary? Maybe a little bit. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair place to point. You mentioned the interception number that they have. Both those cornerbacks are dudes that can play in the Big Ten. I mean, they're really talented guys. They're guys that are on NFL draft radar. So, yeah, they're talented out of the cornerback spot. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. And I think that's a good point to kind of combat the concerns that I still have with Petrus is he was taking what they were giving him. And they were not going to let him get beat deep. They were playing underneath that three three five. We know that can be a bit of a bugaboo for what Brian likes to do offensively. So he kind of put all that together. Yeah, those guys got scholarships too. Yeah. And that's fair. That's absolutely fair. I was impressed. You know, Sean Lewis comes in, high-powered offense. They're going to run the football a ton. They're going to try to get 80, 90, 100 plays off. That's what they want to do. I was really good defensively. But as a whole, 
even offensively, that's a buttoned-up team. Yeah. That's a team that yes. is a good MAC squad, one that might be playing for a MAC championship in the first, uh, well, Friday night is when they play that MAC championship game in December. So I think that's a fair point. That was a buttoned-up team. That's a team that's going to win a lot of football games. No interceptions for Spencer Petras again. No interceptions. It's been what? The Nebraska game, I think, was his last, the second quarter of the Nebraska game last year. So he went no interceptions against Illinois, Wisconsin, then the first three games this year. So uh, that that's my little uh, little hey. It's it's not all bad, right? It's not all bad. One thing that was very not bad, it was very good. Apparently, uh, was the running game, and mm-hmm. as you said, the offensive line certainly starting to gel as we've come to kind of expect under Kirk Ferentz. Anytime there are questions about an offensive line, seems like by the end of September, mm-hmm. those questions have kind of been answered, and, and we feel pretty good about it. I think we're headed in that direction here. And then with Tyler Goodson, who really had his breakout game, uh, kind of kind of been waiting for it. Uh, all the talk in the off season. Didn't have a you had that first big drive, first big run against Indiana, and it's really been held in check uh, the the next what seven quarters after that, but really broke out uh, against Kent State, 150 yards, three touchdowns. He must have looked great Saturday afternoon. He did, and the big part of that I think is that was the biggest advantage for Iowa. It's not a real big front for Kent State. Yes, Iowa was able to assert their will. It was one of those games. You see, they wanted to get the run game going. I thought Goodson looked as good as he has all season long. So you feel in good shape. And, and even after the first two games, you played two top 20 defense yes. in Indiana and Iowa State. So you see the Goodson's going to be there. That, yeah, against good teams, it might be a little more hard sledding, but he's still as talented as we thought coming into the year. And it's good to see him break out in that way. And also that extra gear that he has when he gets out yes. wide. And he had a easy touchdown run on, on one of the long ones early on. They faked the fullback dive and pitched it out to him. He beat the guy to the edge and it was game over from there. But some of the other runs that he had, just that extra gear, it's fun to see. But not only that, but the carries where there's nothing there and he's still able to turn out two or three yards, those are the yes. kind of important runs you need to see going forward from Goodson. He's got really good vision, uh, probably better vision than Ivory Kelly Martin. Mm-hmm. Ivory Kelly Martin hits the hole quickly. Yeah. And I mean, if if he can find a seam, he does well. Now, he didn't do great Saturday, had a rough game, and we know how much Kirk Ferentz hates fumblers. Um, I, did he get back into the game after that second fumble? I know Gavin Williams played a lot. Yeah. I see LaShawn Williams had a couple of carries. Uh, uh, by all accounts, Ivory Kelly Martin isn't in some sort of doghouse. Right. I mean, probably do expect to see him this weekend. Um, did do you know? Did he get back in the game after those couple of fumbles? Didn't see him back out yeah. there again. So they went with the the Williams. That, and that's a and that's a Ferentz yeah. staple. I mean, you fumble once. You're in the dog. You fumbled twice. You're not going back. He's put it on the ground four times this year in three games. Now, one of those was ruled down the Iowa State one, which was the correct call. But yes. still, yeah, that that could have been that could have been disastrous. Yes. That happening that often, you have to know that he's on a short leash. Yes. That going forward, this is kind of the end of the road. You fumble again, it's over. Everything that they said Tuesday at the press conference, hearing from the players, he's part of the game plan. How about him going and answering questions too? Yeah. Didn't duck it. Yes. And that's why he's part of the leadership council. He's one of the guys that was at the forefront of everything that happened last summer. Ivory Kelly Martin is an important member of this team. He's got to figure it out. Yeah. Keep that ball tight and go into class with the football in his hand and somebody's going to knock it out like the program. You know, those kind of things as people are stumbling through the the halls. But he's got to clean that up, but he's going to get, at the very least, one more opportunity and I would be surprised to see him put the ball on the ground. Now, I think we all remember, if you ever played any level of football, that guy that had the fumbling problem, and then that first time back out, 
just how much they covered up. Keep an eye on that. Yeah, he's gonna have probably both both <laughs> arms over the football as he's going through the hole for the first time. But he's gonna get another shot. He's a talented guy. Goodson, he's that one cut guy looking for the cutback yes. lane. Yep. Ivory Kelly Martin, he's a no cut guy. He finds the hole and he's going straight ahead. But he is a good running back. Just got to clean that up. They're in good shape there. I love that scene in the program where Darnell Jefferson he's like falls asleep in class and they knock the ball yeah. and they have the big pile at the bottom of class. Darnell, good reference there. ECU, <laughs> we're just here to welcome you. Oh, what a great, great movie. Uh, but by all accounts, Gavin Williams had a good game. Yeah, I like him. Three receptions out of the backfield, four carries for 17 yards. But so, you know, didn't put up a bunch of stats. But mm-hmm. what I was seeing on Twitter and kind of what I've seen after the game was a lot of high praise for that kid. Fans are excited about him as kind of the, the next up and coming running back. You know, and I'll be honest, going back to his days early in his career at Southeast Polk, he's just a lot bigger than yeah. everybody else as a running back yeah, right. in the CIML which we know is as high a level of football as you're going to find in Iowa. But even then, he was just kind of bigger than everybody. I didn't know if he had the speed to be a starter at a Big Ten level. What we've seen going back to August when the kids' day, what we've seen here in just the limited glimpses, absolutely, this guy can be a starter. And I really like LaShawn Williams, too. I think they got a couple of guys there that certainly can complement. There's depth at the running back position, knock on wood, because we're talking about Iowa here. But I'm excited, not just about the current structure that they have, but also going forward with those two guys. And then the last thing from uh, from this Kent State game, Trent, if you want to get Tory Taylor a Heisman, you're going to have to get him <laughs> stats other than, you know, punting. He's 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 never thrown an incompletion in, in yep. college football. He's one of one. I loved how Kirk Ferentz answered the question about that fake punt. He, I mean, I've never heard somebody say the word dumb so many times in like 30 seconds. <laughs> he, he took it all. He said, yeah, it was my call. It was a dumb call. Um, that fake punt was a. It was strange. I guess you do that against Kent State. Mm-hmm. You put it on film, um, but a weird, a weird sequence there for the Hawkeyes. That's the theory, at least, and that's what Kirk kind of explained it as. But even the explanation, trying to think how this makes sense. So you have the, if not the best punter in the country, one of the best in the country. Yes. So is it a case where nobody's going to rush him? So they're all trying to set up a return, and that's kind of the route that they're going. So hey, if we show this fake punt. That'll at least slow down the bringing extra guys back to try to set up a return. I guess I can buy that a little bit. I just didn't think the explanation was good enough. And even as, like you said, saying dumb what, six <laughs> times in 15 seconds, whatever it was, it was just odd. It was so it odd. Was. You get the delay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the other thing. You yeah. like to, to stick with it after the delay. Mm-hmm. Like, what? You know, this isn't going to go for nine yards. Right. You might get four. It was, it was a bizarre thing. Now, the one caveat I'll put into that is LeVar Woods has been incredible as a special special teams coach. So really good point. Maybe this is something for later on. Maybe we can exercise the demons of the oh. 2010 Wisconsin fake punt. Maybe that's what they're putting in here. There's something else going on. You know LeVar's got something up his sleeve. So you put all that together, and maybe, just maybe, there is a method to this madness that we saw in that stupid fake bunt. This is the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO. Andrew Downs, Trent Condon here. As we uh, as we kind of move away from football quickly, we'll, we'll get back to it very quickly. Don't worry. But uh, big news today out of Iowa City. Uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes will be the first uh, Power 5 level school to have a women's wrestling program. Uh, I think if it's going to happen anywhere, it should happen at Iowa. Um, this will be covered on Hawkeye Nation, obviously, extensively. But Gary Barta and Tom Brands met with the media today, kind of discussed this. 
Uh, what what were your initial kind of reactions to this? Are you is this something that excites you at all, or mm-hmm. uh, kind of how do you feel about this? I love wrestling. I'm yeah. a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. Yes. You're as well, AD. Uh, you got to compete at the high school level. I was too terrible, so I didn't. <laughs> but I grew up in a wrestling town. I grew up in Osage. Doug Schwab, great wrestling program, and it's just a sport that I have always enjoyed. And seeing the development of the women's program, girls' program at the high school level, that was really cool. But when I See the press release come out this morning. I was shocked. Yeah. I was shocked for a couple of different reasons. And the first of all is to be the first. Now, going hand in hand with that, the University of Iowa Women's Athletic Department, before they merged together, it was a trailblazer. And it's something I think that is very easy to be a fan of the Hawkeyes. For sure. Because of these kind of things. So that it right away put a smile on my face that we're not waiting for somebody else to yes. do it. We're going to be first. We're going to be the ones that go out there, and we're going to help bring this to the Division One level. Yeah. We are going to be the trailblazer that Iowa Athletics and Iowa Women's Athletics has been so long, going back to you know, see Vivian Stringer with the women's program sure. and on and on and on. That is, that's a feather in the cap for the university and the athletic department as a whole. That was the hugest part for me, is to be that first in line to do it and go out there. And then secondly, the surprise was kind of the financial aspect. Yeah. Because... We know about the cuts that they had, bringing a sport back. I have some contacts in the athletic department, and I heard this was a possibility, but it didn't feel like it was going to be a possibility until 2025, 2026, something like that down the road, that it happened and kind of happened, quote-unquote, this quickly. Mm -hmm. We didn't hear buzz about it. No. They kept this... Pretty well under wraps, they did. which is hard to do in today's environment. You know, and and credit to Gary Barta, he doesn't get a lot of it, and he, he deserves a lot of the hate that he gets for sure. Uh, he has made missteps, no doubt. But I, I really like the candor today of saying, "Hey, the reason we're doing this is we put into the settlement of this Title IX lawsuit that we're going to add a women's sport." Mm-hmm. And he said, "I'm the timing isn't right for me. He wasn't going to add it this soon." They needed to add a women's sport. They've been talking about this for several years. He said that the conversation stopped when COVID hit mm-hmm. and they had to make those cuts and they you know, cut salaries and positions and four sports ultimately brought the women's swimming and diving back. You know, so cut three men's sports there. Um, but he, I mean, he said the bottom line is if it weren't for COVID, we wouldn't have cut those sports. And if it weren't for this Title IX lawsuit, I wouldn't have brought wrestling yet, mm-hmm. women's wrestling yet. And so... You know, I credit to him for being that that candid about it. Um, I think this is a great thing. Many of the reasons that you just said, and then obviously, we've got the most dominant men's wrestling program in the history of the sport. We should have the most dominant women's wrestling program. And how do you get a good leg up on that? Well, you're the first to hire a coach. Yeah, you're the first to recruit women, girls wrestlers, to you know compete at a d- Division One Power Five level. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see how they fill out a schedule. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see kind of. Uh, what the attendance is. We had a call on the radio on here on in Des Moines on KXNO today um, saying he, they, they're going to sell out Carver Hawkeye Arena for this. Uh, that that may be going a little too sure. far, yeah. but I do think there's excitement. I think especially, mm-hmm. you know, when it, when it first hits in 2023, there's going to be a lot of excitement. And uh, I think this is a really, really cool thing for all the reasons that, that you said as well. It's a great thing. The University of Iowa, like you said, Barta is taking a lot of arrows. Yeah. This is one that he got right. Yep. And couple that with being at the forefront of it, brands being involved and you, in the I way mean, he and, is. And the way he talked about it today, I mean, he's passionate about yes. this. Like, he, he is excited. It's not lip service. No, no. And, and he does not do lip service, right? <laughs> like, he didn't have a speech written when he when he stood up at the podium today. And if you haven't seen it, I, I suggest you go back and check it out. I'm sure it's up at Hawkeye Nation and, and other places as well. 
But like he, I mean, he truly believes this is not just a good thing for girls wrestling in Iowa. It's not just a good thing for women's wrestling at the collegiate level. He thinks it's a good thing for the athletic department and especially a good thing for his wrestling program. Yeah. He thinks this strengthens his wrestling program. And you know, there's no more authority on that on that topic than Tom Brands. And so I'm going to take his word for it when it comes to that stuff. He is super excited about this. And I think that's really cool. It's always good to see Brands in general just hear from it him. Is. And he's just, it is. he's such a goofball. And he he's really awesome. Is. He's I just, wonderful. It, another thing, just puts a smile on your face hearing him talk and hearing the sheer excitement that he had for this. Congratulations to the university. Yes. The athletic department to Gary Barta and everybody that was involved to make this happen. This is a great thing. This is a great thing for a great sport going forward. As we come back, we're going to make the turn into next this week's football game. Not next week, this week. It's Thursday. It's coming up in just a couple of days. Iowa host Colorado State uh, Saturday afternoon. I'm going to get an inside look at the Rams and what we can expect from that team. And then Trent will rejoin me as we look ahead to that game, kind of look around the Big Ten and do a little bit more. It's the Hawkeye Nation radio show. You're listening to 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. My name is Andrew Downs, taking you through a Thursday night. I let Trent Condon sit out this segment as I'm going to take a look at the opposition. The Colorado State Rams coming to Kinnick Stadium this weekend. And I, uh, each week on the Hawkeye Nation podcast feed, have the Opposition Research Podcast, where I talk to somebody who covers or at least knows a lot about the upcoming opponent. And uh, I had a special guest this week. Let's get to that. Let's get to this week's game. Iowa hosts Colorado State at Kinnick Stadium Saturday at 2.30. The 3-0 fifth-ranked Hawkeyes are 22.5-point favorites over the 1-2 Rams. Again, a 2.30 kick at Kinnick Stadium this Saturday. And I'm joined in studio for like the first time ever, I think, on the Opposition Research Podcast uh, by a guy who doesn't cover Colorado State, but he does live in the city where Colorado State plays football. It's my brother Brad, Brad Downs. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, man? Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming in. So rather than, uh, first of all, you and I just got back from a fishing trip in Canada. Yep. And so rather than try to, to wrangle a Colorado State beat reporter in the, the couple of days before <laughs> the game, I asked you to uh, to bone up a little bit, do your research. You live there not far from the Colorado State campus and uh, to come in and join me and give give us a look at the Rams. I'll give you a community feel to... Yes. Uh, what the Rams football season is about. Yes, exactly. And if, if you're looking for a, a more detailed, you're not looking for a more detailed <laughs> look at the Colorado State Rams. This is a game that Iowa should win, uh, should win going away, 22.5 point favorites, and uh, a big spot for the Hawkeyes in that it's their final tune-up, their final non-conference game, uh, and with a f- number five ranking and an undefeated start to the season, uh, and a game at Maryland, and then a big spot at home against Penn State coming up. Uh, it's a it's kind of the last chance for Iowa to tune up some things, especially on that offense, especially with Spencer Petrus in the passing game. And uh, so we'll get into that a little bit here. But Brad, the uh, the Rams are are one and two through three games. Had a real bad start to the season. It it really looked like this was a team that might not win a game this season. And then out of nowhere on Saturday, they put a whooping on Toledo at Toledo, a Toledo team that we all saw take Notre Dame down to the wire. Uh, I guess, what's kind of the main takeaway from these first three games for Colorado State? I would say inconsistency is the overall main takeaway right now. The first two games, they looked really bad. They were at home both games, not even in the game by halftime. 
And then they came out last weekend looking pretty good against Toledo. Defense took a big step forward. Offense didn't ruin the day with turnovers, and the special teams played well. So um, very inconsistent. A lot to be seen this coming Saturday. A lot of us don't know much about Colorado State, so I guess just uh, you know, kind of generally, when when you look at uh, the Colorado State, I guess is is where is the strength of the team? Is it which side of the ball? Which which aspect of the game is is this team strongest? I, I would say defense side of the ball is where they drop their anchor. They hope that their defensive front seven can stop the run, forcing the teams to third and longs, and hopefully their young backfield can play well in the defensive backfield and not allow big plays downfield, which is yet to be determined. Um, The offense revolves around Trey McBride. He's an NFL prospect. He should be in the first few rounds of the draft. They will go to him early and often. Anytime the ball is looking to be thrown, they're looking for him. They run the ball if they can. Their line is untested so we'll see you mentioned Trey McBride and then we'll start with the offense uh they haven't scored more than 23 points this season Colorado State hasn't they had 23 in a loss to San Diego State 21 in a loss to Vanderbilt and then 22 in that win uh over Toledo over the weekend of course Iowa's gone you know 25 games or so now without giving up more than than 25 points Trey McBride is a threat for sure does he have a quarterback that can get him the ball that's not what it's looking like so far (laughs) through three games. Um, He will target him and look at him right off the snap. So the defense knows where the ball is going. Um, The quarterback can run, but the depth behind him is very little. So he doesn't try to do that much. They're very apprehensive about getting him hurt. Um, When he drops back to throw, he will be throwing to Trey McBride. So if the Iowa defense can, which I'm sure they will target you know, him on defense, I think they won't have any trouble stopping this CSU offense. So he's kind of the, the one threat uh, yep. offensively, Trey McBride. And yeah, that, that doesn't bode well for a team <laughs> coming in uh, to this Hawkeye backfield where uh, these guys are you know, ball hawks. They, they're, exactly. they're looking to pick off. They're, they're looking to, to make the, but they're also susceptible to giving up a big play here and there uh, from a, a good a good wide receiver. What kind of a running game do they have, if any? The, the running game's okay. Um, their the their running back is David Wright or David Bailey, and he's a he's a young guy, but he can run the ball. He's not going to make you miss. He's going to rely on the offensive line to get him a hole, which could be trouble this weekend. Um, I don't anticipate them being able to run the ball on Iowa's defense. They're probably going to be looking at field position game. The CSU's punter is a weapon for them. We know what that's like. (laughs) And they play the field position game. So, um, uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot to be said for the CSU offense at the point. How did they come about their points against Toledo? You you were telling me they they didn't score a touchdown? Nope, they did not. They had a 70-yard punt return for a touchdown Okay, and uh, five field goals. So the special teams, I guess, if I should go back to when you started to say, where's the strength of this team? It's special teams, teams, I'm thinking. Um, But that's what you don't want your strength to be so when uh it's it's a nice piece to have if you have other things like yeah. i think for iowa having a solid special teams is key that's your main thing if it's your only thing maybe not trouble. so great yeah. yeah maybe not awesome all right well how about defensively i mean they held toledo to six points 
Um, you know, haven't given up a ton of points. San Diego State put 42 on them, but outside of that, haven't given up a ton of points. Uh, where is their kind of strength on, on the defensive side? The, the strength is the defensive line. Um, they play a very basic defense, a basic 4-3, old-school style defense. They're not going to be fancy. They're not going to be coming after you. They're going to just try to stop the run and try to be hold their line up front. Um, Trey McBride's older brother actually is a defensive lineman for the team. He's one of their better players, not an NFL prospect like his younger brother. Um, they'll, you know, they'll make Iowa work and they they believe that they can stop Iowa's run game, but their defense has been challenged and hasn't put up great numbers so far this year when they've had that happen last year, at, last week at Toledo, they took a big step forward, so we'll see if that can continue. Yeah, and Tyler Goodson had a hell of a game for the Hawkeyes uh, against Kent State. 150 yards, three touchdowns. He'll certainly be looking to to keep that going. But I think the big thing that most Hawkeye fans want to see out of this game, and again, the kind of final tune-up before you get into Big Ten play for real here uh, and, and a season where now the expectation is to win the Big Ten West and get to Indianapolis in December, I think what Iowa fans want to see is Spencer Petrus in this passing game kind of come alive uh, you're saying the strength of the Colorado State defense is up front. Yeah. So there's a there's a chance that Iowa can kind of get right here against Colorado State and that that defensive backfield. If Iowa's looking to get their passing game rolling for the rest of the season, they have a great opponent this weekend to showcase that. Um, very untested defensive backfield for the CSU Rams. And like I said, they don't put a ton of pressure on the quarterback, which leaves them out there to fend for themselves. Um, there hasn't been much success for, I would say, the last five years of CSU football in their defensive backfield. They've been very exposed to big plays downfield. And I think if Iowa looks to do some play action off their passing game or to throw it downfield, they'll have success. Well, that's, that's, that's good to hear. <laughs> um, and yeah, the, so the punter, the punter of Colorado State <laughs> is, is a weapon. And again, we know that, uh, that that's going to be a fun little battle. Um, you know, hopefully Tory Taylor won't have to punt all that much for the Hawkeyes as they'll be, you know, scoring a lot of points, but <laughs> it's always fun to see a, a, you know, a big, big leg come into Kinnick stadium. Yes. What other, uh, kind of notes and things just about this team, anything else that you've picked up through, through three games of kind of watching them, reading about them, uh, following them, uh, in your community there in Fort Collins, you know, it's kind of iffy in Fort Collins because we built this big stadium on campus and we're hoping to showcase a good football team. Have changed three coaches in the last five years wow. trying to find the right guy. Um, I don't know if they're there yet. They're trying to up their game with recruiting. The team's not looking too strong. They're picked to be the bottom of the Mountain West. They have not beat a ranked opponent since 2002, let alone a top five team on the road. Almost 20 years. Almost 20 years without beating a ranked opponent. So I would say the overall takeaway for the CSU Rams is if we can find some offense and if Santeo can start throwing the ball and look a little good, we might have a little bit of a future, get something rolling here in the next 10 games. But... uh, it's iffy, iffy this iffy year. The the buzz has already been taken out of the Fort Collins. <laughs> the buzz area. got eliminated the first Friday night game at home <laughs> when everyone showed up in South Dakota State. Um, had them by twenty one at halftime. Yikes! Yikes! That's never good. Uh, well, so so sports gambling is legal in Colorado yes. as well. I mean, everything's legal in Colorado, but sports gambling is one of the things that is. Um, 
Bet your house the, on the Hawks. That's, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> 22 and a half points. That's not too big? It's not too big. I believe if I had to guess the score of this game, I would say Iowa 56, Colorado State 6. I don't believe Colorado State will see the end zone. I do think they may get a field goal or two. Who knows? The punter might give up, give them a good chance to get a safety, but I don't see CSU's offense getting into the end zone, and I do see Iowa's offense getting into the end zone uh, four or five times at least. So I would say take the Hawks, you like take the, the over. over. Yeah, you like the over. All right. Hey, Brad. This was fun, man. Thank you. Really fun. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you to Brad Downs, my brother, Fort Collins uh, resident and uh, my resident Colorado State Ram expert. Uh, I'll bring you in next time Iowa plays Colorado State. How about that? (laughs) How's that? Always fun chatting football with my big brother, Brad. I like Iowa this week. We will talk more about this upcoming game. Maybe uh, have Trent tell you what he thinks on the, the betting lines, things like that. As we continue the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. And welcome back to the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO. It's 1460 AM, 106.3 FM. I'm Andrew Downs. He's Trent Condon, and we're looking ahead to this Colorado State game. And Trent, you heard uh, that segment there. Really the the thing to worry about, if anything, for Colorado State, who is not a great team, had a real bad first couple of weeks, looked good against the Toledo team that, that we saw take Notre Dame down to the wire. Um, but... Uh, you know, with a 22 to six win over Toledo, so I guess they feel okay coming into this game. But Colorado State's not a great team; they're not as good as Kent State was. This should be a kind of a walkthrough win for Iowa. The one thing that Colorado State has is the tight end Trey McBride. That's it. That's it. One dude, and they really don't have a quarterback who can get him the ball. Yeah, their quarterback was 11 of 27 for 110 yards, uh, and had nine of those 11 completions were to the, to, to the tight end, and 109 of those yards. And you don't think that Jack Campbell, yeah, Justin Jacobs. And Dane Belton, when he's matched up, you don't think these guys are, hey, let's get a little something on film here against a guy that a lot of people think is going to be an early NFL round draft pick. This isn't a guy, you know, it's a seventh round flyer. There's even people that have him as a first rounder, but mostly second and third round grades out there. Really talented guy. That's it. Offensively, they're just not good. Their they're quarterback, not. dude couldn't play a temple. Can't right. play a temple. That's a problem. They, they're, they're not good. How last week happened, I'll never know. Right. After what we saw from Toledo the week before against Notre Dame, who might not be very well in their own right, but the way that played out, the fashion that the game went, it was just weird. You said the front seven's okay? Yeah. that's that's kind of, uh, If there's a strength on their defense, it's their front seven. Uh, they pride themselves on being able to stop the run. They're pretty weak in the, the secondary. And we'll get a rematch against Adazio back when he was at BC. Yes. Loves talking about dudes. He's got dudes. Yes, he does. He's a weird duck. <laughs> so I guess this is the week then if if Spencer Peaches is going to have a breakout. Yes. If this passing game is going to put up some big numbers. If, they, if I was going to score a lot of points. If you know Tyrone Tracy and Nico Regani are going to have big games. Uh, the tight ends. All of that. It's going to be this week. If, mm-hmm. it, if it doesn't happen this week. It may never happen. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm right I need to you. see something yeah. out of Spencer Petrus this week. Down the field. Not yes. dink and dunk. Right. Not dropping it off. Yeah. Not picking up four. No. Even when you need four. And third option, right? I mean, yes. like, you know, staying in the pocket, feeling the pressure, mm-hmm. stepping up, making a read, and and being confident. It's I'm not sure I've ever seen a player who 
when they feel when it seems like they feel good, they play well, mm-hmm. and then as soon as they're shaken, it, it all falls apart. I mean, it really feels like it's a confidence thing. You said in the first segment, it's not Petrus's arm. Yep. We know he's got a good arm. Yeah, we've seen him have good series. We've seen him have good games. Certainly good halves. It's a confidence thing, and if he gets rattled, watch out. And it's not mechanical. Because no. last year it wasn't. Yes. There were those times sure. where yes. you could just see balls Jumpy would be sailing. Feet. Yep. And it still happens, but it happens to basically every quarterback where you'll sail a throw. Those kind of things are happening. It's not that anymore. It's that confidence. And maybe this offensive line being healthy, getting better, that will be enough. And somebody does make a play up the field. He goes up and he hits Tracy you know, on a post route. And all of a sudden, that the shoulders relax. He stops doing his dumb clap, and he finally makes the throws down the field. But it has to happen. You have to unlock this because we saw how easy it is to slow down Iowa when you don't have that passing game. And I don't want to go back to shades of 2014 and Greg Davis and those kind of things, but there's a lot of it that still feels like they're reverting back to that, and it comes back to the quarterback spot. 23.5-point favorites the Hawkeyes are. 44.5 is the over-under as we sit here today. Where are you at on this game from a betting standpoint? So you mentioned 44 and a half. Iowa might get there alone. Yes. I think this is yes. a absolute clubbing. As we talk about seemingly every week, I'm not the most optimistic guy. Right. I just think Colorado State sucks. They do. I, I think they're they just do. awful. Yes. It's Four, a bad football team. 45-11. This yeah. is going to be domination here. We're going to see a lot in the second half. And I also wonder, say it's third quarter, Iowa's cruising along, it's 35-3. Middle of the third, does Alex Padilla get a drive with the first team? Not coming up in a backup role and mop up, mm. but does he get a drive, an opportunity, or does Kirk not even want to go there? I'm not sure he wants to go there. Yeah. Now maybe it depends how how Spencer looks. If, if he, he looks throwing, great, they're up 35 yeah. three. He's throwing five touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. If he had a great first half yeah. and it's like, hey, there's this. This is not going to cause a quarterback controversy. Mm-hmm. But if Petrus has a, even a shaky game, you almost don't want Padilla to come in and look yeah. good. Because then you just have that the rest of the year. I agree with you. I think this is a drubbing. I think the over. I think the Hawks cover. Uh, I don't have a score in my head, but I do think Spencer Petras has a good game, and I don't think it convinces everybody that he's great. Right. That, that's, <laughs> that's that's where we are. That's my big prediction. Uh, let's look around just the, the rest of the Big Big Ten. It was an interesting week uh, this past week. Um, Maryland, who we have coming up, mm-hmm. kind of snuck by Illinois on the road there. Uh, Nebra- Nebraska... Looked good mm-hmm. against Oklahoma. Pretty good. I mean, they, you know, good enough to stay within seven of a of a good Oklahoma team. And this was what I thought Nebraska was going to be coming into the year. I, I really liked that defense that they had coming back. They had, at the very least, become competent as the season went along a year ago. I thought they had the pieces in place. Comes down to Martinez. Now, you look at this week. There's it, something that just stinks about this point spread. People know I'm a better and when I saw this one, and it's hovering around four and a half, five points right now. Okay. Michigan State's look great. They have. Nebraska's been obviously shaky this year. I mean, Michigan State smoked Miami. And it's in East Lansing, and it's less than a touchdown. Something smells mm. And when I, sm- usually when you sniff these one outs, that they almost seem too good to be true. That's the time. Keep a close eye on the Huskers. This would be a big win for Frost. Yes. I mean, not a, yeah, I mean, it, it would be, I guess. It would avoid a big loss. Mm-hmm. You can't start zero and two again right. in the Big Twelve, uh, Big Ten. If, if you're Nebraska, this would be a big win. Go on the road, beat a top twenty team, and kind of shake 
that Illinois loss and then look ahead to the rest of the schedule and then think you can make some noise. That That's going to be an interesting spot. Again, Michigan State looked good. Uh, Penn State looked great. Yeah. I mean, Penn State. The whiteout looked great, that, too. That's, it did look great. How you like that, SEC? Uh, <laughs> that, that's one of those where it's like, even though, you know, I don't like Penn State. Sure. I was rooting for them yeah. Saturday. Um, that was a big win for them and and sets up, hopefully, you know, Iowa gets through these next couple of games. Penn State gets through these next couple of games. I mean, that sets up a, a really, really big spot for the Hawkeyes and the Nittany Lions and Kinnick Stadium. Um Saw some talk. We talked a little bit about this off the air uh, about when that game may or yeah. may not be. Uh, I guess Fox already has a, set a game at noon that day. So uh, our guy Chris Hassel is speculating it'll be an, an afternoon game, like a four o'clock, mm-hmm. three o'clock game. Uh, any insight on that? What, what do you expect from that Iowa Penn State game? Well, first of all, that's huge that that announcement came down yeah. because I felt like as you thought season, it was going to be the big noon yeah, game. Yeah, it was. It felt like that's where they were kind of going. Also, remember Fox has the Major League Baseball playoffs that are also happening at that time. Yes. So you kind of put all these things together. All right, are the Yankees, are the Red Sox playing? Obviously, they would rather put that in their primetime Fox slot. And it just felt like that's where we're going. Now, all of a sudden, that changes things. Here's a question for you, though. This week, big nooner on Fox is Notre Dame against Wisconsin. Yet game day is also going to be there. So two studio shows are going to be there. I know a lot of people have already said because boxes announced they're going to be in Iowa City. Yes. It's it's pretty easy that they're going to do that. It's a box game. Yeah, so the the thought is no game day. But maybe that just maybe that could happen as well. That'd be fun. And the Fox pregame show is fine. Yeah. I'm still a game day guy, though. For sure. If only just the like the clout of it, right? Yeah. Like the, it's, it has lost some of its luster over the years. It's not as entertaining as it once was. Uh, it, it gets harder and harder to see Lee Corso up there yeah. at times. But it's still game day. Mm-hmm. It's still the biggest show there is. I mean, it's, it's still where the college football world revolves around every Saturday morning. That'd be fun to have them back in Iowa City. Have them at two, two Hawkeye games this year. Wow. That'd Maybe be a lot more. Of fun. Maybe uh, more. That Wisconsin Notre Dame game, obviously a big spot for the uh, the Badgers. They're home against Notre Dame. What no, that's at Soldier Field. Oh, it is at Soldier. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Kind of surprised at that point spread too. That's another one that I sniffed out. What's that one? They're nearly a touchdown favorite, six and a half currently wow. as we talked today. And feels on the surface. Oh boy, that feels like a lot of Wisconsin's offense is pretty limited here. Notre Dame down to their third team left tackle. Mm. Their offensive line has been terrible this year. Their defensive line has been terrible. This one feels like 24-7. Just Wisconsin wins. They're just better. And Notre Dame can't do anything. The one caveat, though, Wisconsin still had Jack Cohn. They'd probably be undefeated right now. Yeah. Because he's a lot better quarterback right now than Green He is. is. He is. Man, Mertz had that great start yeah. last season. Against Illinois, though. Right, yeah. But, I mean, it was great, right? It was. Uh, I mean, just around the other, the rest of the Big Ten this week, there's not a, not a ton going. This is one of those weeks mm-hmm. where you kind of have a bunch of teams we like We got us. undefeated, undefeated. Rutgers against Michigan. That doesn't get you going? Eh. Eh. <laughs> Illinois, Purdue, I guess, you know, you can see see what, what's coming out, out there. But not a whole lot outside of these kind of handful of games this week in the Big Ten, dude. To be I want to see Kent State, Maryland. That'll be going on at the yes. same time as the Iowa game, though. That'll be fun to watch. That'll be a BTN and 60 review going through and watching that. Obviously getting a look forward at what Maryland's going to be. I think Kent State will keep that close. I think that's going to be a tighter game. As I mentioned at the top of the show today, 
Maryland's already looking ahead. They've already called it a blackout when Iowa comes I, to I town. I see that. A week from Friday. Pulling, so Pulling an Iowa State. Yep, they're, they're putting that together. Yeah, bring all the blackouts you guys want. It's <laughs> right? going to go the way that it did a yeah, couple Saturdays How do you feel about ago. that Maryland game? It's a, a short week, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're playing pretty well. They are. Uh, you're at, you're, you have to travel there. You could be looking ahead to that Penn State game. Mm-hmm. You worried about that Maryland game? I'm a little bit. That'll be. I, I'm more so than I was a few weeks ago. By far the most athletic team yeah. that they've played throughout this season. They got speed up and down the roster. Mike Loxley's a terrible coach. There's no two ways about it. He is awful as a head coach. Speaking of dudes, so we talked about Adazio earlier. That guy brings in dudes. Yes. He recruits at an incredibly high level. There's a ton of talent in the D.C. area. He's always done a really good job with that. So this is going to be a different type of team than they've seen. They, of course, go a lot wide. They do a lot of the zone read and the speed option, those kind of things that you're going to see. They got Tua's little brother out there. Yeah. He can make some plays. He's thrown for seven touchdowns this year, no interceptions. He's uh, thrown for over 300 yards per game. Wow. He's playing at a high level, plus he, he can run it. So you got all these things together. It's going to be offense and a speed that they haven't seen before. The good news is I don't think they're very good defensively. So Iowa defense shows up in a big way. They'll be fine. The other thing about Kirk, Look at his record on those short weeks. We know, of course, against Nebraska, but go to last year when yeah. they had to play Minnesota on a Friday night. He is really, really good on short weeks. That's, That's interesting. Also, you know, just looking ahead at Maryland's schedule, they have Ohio State the following week. So yeah. if you know if you're worried about Iowa looking ahead, mm-hmm. Maryland might might be looking ahead there as well. That's going to be a fun game, and obviously we will uh, we'll talk about that uh, a week from tonight. You can follow along all of the coverage HawkeyeNation.com. Uh, you got your uh, your Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast up on the feed now, right? Yeah, yeah. You can uh, check out me and my buddy Biz, longtime friend since elementary school. That's a lot. I like that show, man. That's a lot of fun. He's uh, he's a lawyer. He's talkative. He likes to get his opinions out there. Tailgated with him since college. We've uh, been longtime friends and a little more different kind of structure to the show. We yeah. have some fun with it, do some things. And uh, we're both degenerate gamblers, as we have been for a real long time. So we also make some picks and we're both over 500 on the year. That's nice. good news. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, John Bonencamp, Rob Howe, Rick Brown will have this game covered uh, from all angles. I'll have a uh, an instant reaction podcast, maybe. 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 I mean, probably, right? 615 rolls around. Yeah, that's the thing. Up. That's the thing. You know, if, if I was, what, what might happen is if I was up by like 40, yeah. you know, I'll just start recording it in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Something like that. Before you know, it's, Padilla it's, gets in yeah, there and throwing ex- touchdowns. Exactly. Yeah, I, I do, do not want to cross that bridge. <laughs> uh, Trent, thank you, man. As always, this is fun. Love it. Uh, this has been the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on KXNO. It's 1460 AM, 106.3 FM. Enjoy the rest of your night here on KXNO. KXNO.